0: And once again, we continue our series of broadcasts in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains in the extreme southwest portion of the state of Virginia. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman. And welcome to the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Beerman. As we we continue to come to you from up in southwest Virginia, I'm going to share just a little bit of an update on what we're doing up here and some of the things that, that God has laid upon my heart. In the second half of today's program, I'm going to share something also with you that goes back about five years ago. And when I found it and listened to it, it really is apropos and very fitting for today. These these past days here in, in Southwest Virginia have been very eye-opening. It has been a challenge as we've been talking during the week. The Lord is just opening up some doors in terms of ministry that I really need to explore and trying to fully discern and understand where we need to be at this point in our lives. Now, I've said this a dozen times in the past several days. I mean, I'm 67. I'll be 68 this year. Not that that scares me. But this is not the time to be you know, laying out plans for the next 25 years of my life, like maybe when I was around 40 years of age. I have to be always mindful of what I can and cannot do physically at this point in my life. Yet I feel this real strong urge to serve my Lord in any way that I can. I look at the things that I do best, the things that I, I'm not as good at, and the things that I used to be good at that maybe I should, you know, put aside for the time being. And I'm trying to look at the, the gifts and talents that God gave me and what ones I still can, can employ at this point in my life. So far, the radio program is one thing I can continue to do because that pretty much can be done from most anywhere right now. But we live in a very strange time. You know it and I know it. All we have to do is just take a little peek at the headlines and and you'll see that we are living in a very different place than we were not that long ago. Just looking at some headlines today that really stood out uh, to me. You know, we've we've talked or the media talks so much. I haven't said much about what's going on in Ukraine uh, with Russia, I, I just have avoided that because there's plenty of stories out there, and I'm afraid there's also a lot of misinformation out there as well. And rather than get caught in the middle of all that, I'm trying to to learn as much as I can. Most people in the United States and Canada couldn't find Ukraine on a map if their life depended on it. Uh, I had to really think it through, and I looked at a map. Where is it? because most of us really have never had to deal with it. But just like the pandemic before and a bunch of other things that we get caught up in for the the moment, Ukraine is a big deal. And I think a lot of what we've been told is not true. Saw this headline, and it makes you begin to wonder... You know, all the Western nations were going to be all unified, all unified to deal with the situation in Ukraine and and Russia's expansionism. You know, Russia bad, Ukraine good, orange man bad, Biden good. You know, we've been told all the things we're supposed to believe today, especially from the bankrupt intellectually, morally and spiritually mainstream media that doesn't even know what the truth is anymore. The truth is not in them. And we, we heard for, for months, starting back at the end of February, about all this unity against Russia. Well, there's a story that has come out that, that, that really tells you that a lot of the noise out there was a bunch of lies anyway. You know, anti Russia virtue signaling all the harsh language. Europe pretty much had a fake front. In other words, they were all unified to stand with our our brothers and sisters in in Ukraine and we think the world of zelensky he's he's god's man for the hour kind of nonsense the guy's a comedian and a pretty bad one at that who somehow had favor with an oligarch in that country and is now the president of that nation with no experience but as many people predicted And we've said it before, you know, money talks, it always does. There's a big crack right now in that wonderful perceived front of, you know, all the Europeans, you know, standing against Russia, mean, evil Putin, you know, the one that supposedly stole the election for Trump. If you believe that, I've got a bridge for sale in Brooklyn. So many lies out there and it's hard to get through the lies Well, a bunch of the European gas buyers have been quietly paying for their gas supplies in Russian rubles, as Russia had demanded. Which is a supposed breach of the Brussels sanctions, you know, how the European Union was going to stand together against that dictator Putin. Well, when it comes to having natural gas to heat your homes and cook your food and run your industries, I guess... I guess, your, um, I guess your morals, if that's what you want to call them, can be purchased for a price. And we've, we've seen it, I saw it coming, that everybody in Europe is going to follow those footsteps and bypass the European Union sanctions. And, and we're seeing one by one, seeing one by one, the, the, the sanctions will fall apart. The United States, well, we're going to keep pouring money into Ukraine in our proxy war with Russia. We will, We don't care, or I should say they don't care at the White House because they don't care about you. They only care about their power. We have a shortage of all things, baby foods and formulas. Now, how can that happen in the land of the free and the home of the brave? the wealthiest country on earth yet we're finding out that there's a lot of it stockpiled at the border for the illegal immigrants coming across with their little children that'll be the their new anchors here diesel fuel you know diesel fuel runs this world whether you want to believe it or not i mean these these big boats out there that that haul things across the oceans run on diesel The trucks you see going up and down the highways run on diesel. The railroad, the railroads, they run on diesel. They're not running on electricity. Maybe some commuter lines are like the Long Island Railroad. But look at the trains that go up and down the tracks that are miles long, all powered by diesel locomotives. Diesel trucks, as I just said. And now diesel fuel shortages are becoming more widespread. And I really believe all of this is by design. This administration in Washington, D.C., the one you have in Canada with Trudeau, all of them, all of them are working in tandem to destroy the world as we know it, to make the elites more elite, and all of us with less power. And I really believe they want less of us. And so here we are in runaway inflation in the united states and pretty much around most of the western world we are in runaway inflation i don't care say what you want it's runaway inflation the great reset you know klaus schwab and the world economic forum i I, i'm going to come out and say it they they say it on their own website they have the ears the minds And they have the influence and their tentacles are into virtually every major Western government around the world, including the United States, Germany, United Kingdom, Australia, name any country in the European Union. And they have their influence. They have their people. They worship themselves as gods. If you don't believe it, just read their material at their own website. I don't you know you don't have to make this stuff up just go read it for yourself they they are bold enough to print it or publish it on a website and so here we are in the United States with ever rising fuel costs because of supply and demand supply is well, let's put it this way, we are stock bidding on the world market because of the most incompetent administration in the United States history, the most satanically inspired, I might add. Moloch worshipers, phony Roman Catholics like Biden and Pelosi. They're phonies, they're frauds, they're not even they're not even Catholic as far as I'm concerned. They are unadulterated pure Satanist. Moloch worshipers with a price that they will have to pay if they're unrepentant. And so what does this reprobate administration do in a time of rising fuel prices, rising food prices, rising everything prices? We we told you a year and a half ago on this program that what would happen if this administration got in, the value of your money would rapidly decline. Decline. That's what runaway inflation does. When you spend money you don't have and have no way to get, what happens? The value of your money goes down. Now, I'm going to give you really, this is the 32nd example. Go back to the turn of the 20th century and gold was about 30 some odd dollars an ounce. By 1971, it was $35 an ounce. When I got married in 1975, I bought a beautiful um, wedding band. And I can remember, man, how, how can I afford a hundred and some odd dollars for a wedding band? Years later, it was worth $4,000 in the gold price alone. See, that happened between 1975 and only about you know 10 years ago. That's how much our money has declined. You could start a job at $100 dollars a week back in 1970 and you could survive. Now it takes eight or nine hundred dollars to do the same thing. Today, oh yeah, television sets are cheaper. Certain things are cheaper, but everything else is vastly more expensive by a factor of eight to ten. And so what does this administration do with rising gas prices in the background? They cancel all oil and gas leases to Alaska Cook Inlet and the Gulf of Mexico on Wednesdays past Wednesday. I mean, you know, make sure that we cut it off slowly but surely strangle it out. Let's get those prices up to maybe nine dollars a gallon. Then everybody will want to buy an electric car, which the power grid can't support. You know, the only way people are going to buy these electric cars is if the price of gas becomes so prohibitive. Well, they're on their way. That's what they want. And once you have an electric car, you are so dependent on a failing grid that cannot sustain it. They can't build enough solar panels fast enough or windmills fast enough to come anywhere near what would be required. If your house has your typical 100 or 150 amp service, you're going to need double that amount of service in order to charge your car. In other words, there's not enough capacity on most streets in the United States to do it. Now, other things, great reset. Um, it, It appears that I think that Klaus Schwab and his group really wants to just get rid of western civilization the european commission announced that it wanted to extend freedom of travel in the european union during the pandemic by using a digital green certificate known as the covid passport they wanted they want to keep that alive until like july 1st of 2023 and citizens you know like these you know these pcr tests are reliable they're not The vaccines don't work. So what's the point of everybody proving they're vaccinated? You know, there's a meeting I would love to attend this summer, but I can't do it. And I won't do it because the building requires that I be fully vaccinated and have either my vaccination or my booster within six months of coming to their doorstep and face diapering required, which shows I don't need to be there. I refuse to go there. And I know others that will not go to that meeting. But that's our government at work—phony, fraudulent things that don't work—and they laid fear on the population to get where they are today, and to steal an election. I don't—you you can say what you want, but that's what they did. And everybody was telling me for the last couple of years, Bob, you got to get into the crypto market. Well, that bubble is bursting, and who knows how that's going to impact our stock market in the months and years—you know, months and days ahead. And then the Biden administration—I mentioned this on yesterday's program—the WHO, the Who, the World Health Organization, another you know reprobate organization uh, with satanic ties—they want to be able to declare international health emergencies and have power over all nations, including the United States, nullifying anything our Congress or Senate. Or our governors or state legislatures would do. They would have total and absolute authority. They could demand we all get vaccinated or else. And that's what they're pushing for. And guess what? This administration will sign off on it. We see the highest uh, grocery store price hikes in 42 years. 42 years. And you're seeing these prices just skyrocket on hamburger meat, baby food, chicken, even soup and coffee. And then we have this former U.S. intelligence chief has come out and made a statement that I think you need to listen to. The White House has already made an attempt to collect bank account information from Americans last October. And... It could be done again. Now, this came from LifeSight News. Richard Grinnell, former director of national intelligence under then President Donald Trump, had mentioned that Americans should be aware of the new Biden administration's Ministry of Truth because, see, what they want to be able to do is freeze bank accounts of people they claim are sharing misinformation. In other words, don't be surprised if the Department of Misinformation freezes your ATM card until you delete your unapproved opinions on social media. The Democrats and their Moloch worshiping followers are weaponizing government agencies against freedom-loving people, including Christians. And by the way, public schools I know there may be a few that are safe, but increasingly, not so much. Parents and a 12-year-old who attended a public school in Colorado were lied to to get her to attend an after-school, what they called an art club. But it was really about gender and sexuality, and it could not be any more predatory. They're teaching your children in that class that it is okay to lie and deceive parents, to listen to the state or government first, and then you second. They're teaching them to be good slaves of the government and even turn their parents in. And another story out of Canada. Family members of euthanized Canadians say assisted dying programs kill patients who could have very well recovered. So this culture of death continues on a global scale. You know, even the Third Reich, in all the horror that they did, they they believed in in the murder of the mentally ill. Well, Canada is looking like it's going to follow in those footsteps as well. And Target stores, which I refuse to shop in any longer, uh, they're they're launching a pro transgender product line for little children. You know, I'm done. I'm done with these men getting pregnant. I'm done with all of this silliness and nonsense. It's all a diversion. It is all a total and absolute diversion to keep you focused like a magician where the magician wants you to see so you don't see what's really going on around you. Now, I want to share one more thing here before we go to our break. I'm taking the break early because I've got something I want to share in the next segment. And this has to do with the state of Christianity in the church worldwide in the Western world. Dr. Francis Schaeffer wrote, There's one thing that is not a matter of individual conscience, and that is when it becomes impossible to bring discipline against ungodly pastors, and theological seminary teachers within your denomination when you can no longer discipline those that have rejected scripture, have invented strangeness and celebrate sin. What he's saying is when these churches become woke and Bible-believing Christians are really marginalized and you stay in those churches, you're accepting that Christ's church has now become worldly. The church is not the world. The church belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. When I get back on the other side, I've got something I really need to share with you. And it all has to do with this time I'm spending here in Virginia. Do you believe in the work we're doing here at Truth to Ponder? There's a lot that I want to add to this program. I want to see you grow, not just on the number of stations and airings, but in the content that we can deliver. And, and so this is, we're at a crossroad. And I really need to hear from you how you listen. If you can help us financially, would you consider just making a check payable to Ancient Word Radio? Ancient Word Radio. And our mailing address is 5753 Highway 85 North. That's 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. That's number 3248. And the city is Crestview, Florida. Crestview, Florida. And the zip code is 32536. That's 32536. Also, if you want to go to our website, which is truth2ponder.com, that is truth2ponder.com. You can find ways to support us from there. Plus, you'll find the, the mailing address I just gave. And how you listen to this program is also vitally important for me to know. I'm beginning to get a feel of what radio stations do best, which ones are not doing as well, and how the podcast is growing and where. And so, once again, this input from you, and as I've promised you over and over again, I am not trying to cultivate some kind of an email list to then keep bugging you and sending you email to support the program. I'm not going to do that. You write me to tell me you're listening, and I will thank you for writing, and that's about it. I'm not going to be inundating you with, with, with emails because I know what it's like to go through that list every day. Once again, mailing address, make the check payable to Ancient Word Radio. Mailing address 5753 Highway 85 North, number 324857-53 Highway 85 North, number 3248 Crestview, Crestview, Florida, 32536. This
1: is Truth to Ponder. With Bob Bierman. The Ladonai Life. Shalom alechem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now, get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now, the high priest of Israel wore a crown, and on the crown were the words, Kadosh Ladonai, holy to the Lord. Now, it's real significant because in Hebrew, if you want to say that something belongs to something else, like, for instance, the house belongs to me, you say, the house is to me, which in Hebrew is is le, the le sound. So when he had kadosh l'adonai, it meant that he was holy to the Lord. It meant that the high priest, not only was holy, but he belonged to the Lord. He was the Lord's possession. He didn't belong to himself. Everything in his life was... Ladonai, to the lord and the bible says that you are a royal priest if you're born again you're a royal priest you need to have the same crown that means that crown is on your life that says kadosh ladonai. you're holy and you're to the lord everything in your life you are dedicated committed you belong to god your possessions to the lord your resources to the lord your time to the lord your abilities to the lord your money to the lord everything to the lord Because then you will be a true priest after his heart. And it means you don't really own things, but all that you have is God. So that means you don't own any more worries or burdens or problems. But the one thing you own is the Lord. Start living as a royal priest that God called you to live as. Put on the crown. Give everything to the Lord, your life, holy to the Lord, that you can have no more burdens. And just one thing you would have is God himself and all his blessings. It all begins when you put on the sacred crown that reads, Kadosh Ladonai. Now the free gift for you. The most incredible evidence, awesome mystery discovered in ancient writings of Jesus in the mystery of the temple doors. You'll love it. And sapphires guaranteed to give you the power of living a victorious life in God. All free. How do you get these gifts absolutely free? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed with the gifts, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, my friend, you're on this earth for a great purpose—to be a blessing. So, I invite you to join me in bringing the greatest blessing to the unreached peoples of this world, salvation to five continents with over a billion people. How? Just call one eight hundred Yeshua One, or you can write me direct. But that's Y E S H U A One. But write me at the Nice Jewish Boy Box One 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 One, Lodi, L O D I, New Jersey, 07644. It's the Nice Jewish Boy Box One 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 One, Lodi, L O D I, New Jersey. O seventy six forty four. Till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying Live holy to the Lord Ladonai in Messiah HaKohen HaGadol The Great and High Priest
0: This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder, and I'm your host, Bob Bierman. You know, I want to share something that I actually preached five years ago. About five years ago right now. It was during the month of May. And I felt at that time, those five years ago, that we were entering a very unusual time, and people would say, oh, wait a minute, Bob, this was... You know we had we had a republican house and senate here in the United States. We we had Donald Trump in, in the White House. The world was good. We fixed it at the ballot box, remember? And I knew that that would not last. I knew that we were going to come into some very difficult difficult times. Who would have ever believed that literally 3 years less than 3 years after I had given that message, we would enter the 15 days to flatten the curve that went on for, well, it's still going on in some places. You still have some restrictions in some places and the desire to bring them back for power and control. Christians are being marginalized more than ever before. In free countries that used to be considered Christian nations, Your freedom is being ripped away. Patience has not always been one of my virtues, but I've had to wait these five years for such a time as this. And it's just like the Lord is ready, my wife and myself and everything around us for this particular period of time in our life. And, And I recognize there's a changing world. The way the church used to function is not probably coming back the way we ever knew it. And the kind of ministries and the ways that we reach people with the gospel, yes, we still need to do that. We're not supposed to just run and hide totally. We're still to be effective laborers in the field. That's the point that I'm at in my life. And so I want to take you back five years ago to a message that I preached. And who would have believed, who would have believed the things that have occurred since the time that I stood before that small congregation in Florida and I shared this particular message from my heart. I hope and I pray that you hear what I had to say then and see how it applies now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning with the thoughts that you have placed upon my heart, I pray that your Holy Spirit empower me to say all that you would have me to say, that your word be multiplied and be blessed as it goes Through this place. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May be seated. I read a story this morning that someone shared that really fits where this message is going to go today. It is a story about a Muslim girl living in a country in Africa that is Muslim dominated. And as a young child entering toward her teenage, teenage years, she was so devout and had such a hatred for Christians that she would steal Bibles to destroy them whenever she had the chance. She would do anything to make a Christian's life miserable because she thought she was doing an honorable service to her God. She went on to high school, went on to the university, graduated, got a very prestigious job with the Radio and Television Commission of her nation, married into a prominent family, and everything was great. She was a true follower of her God and prophet, and had this despising notion about Christians as the infidel. She recounts a story one night in their bedroom, she and her husband. There was this sudden wind and noise and clamor, and she heard. Literally, the voice of the Lord call out to her. Her husband never heard a sound, but she was shaken to the core. She tried to understand what just happened. The husband's going, I didn't hear anything. Go back to bed. She tried to understand what she knew she heard felt and saw. This was on a Friday after Friday prayers. Saturday, she kept thinking about this, and on Sunday she figured a way to sneak out and go to church. That was a mistake. Her husband beat her for even going to a church when he found out. But she ended up giving her life to the Lord because of this encounter and for the next many years i'm not going to go into all the detail the suffering she went through the beating she went through being put in jail being divorced being chased down being threatened to be killed became her life she operates a ministry now for those that are exiting the muslim faith as they become believers in Jesus Christ and their lives are under peril and threat each and every day. And it's not just limited to Islamic religions. There are others that are equally as hated toward, or hateful toward Christians. Early in my ministry, I was before I took a church in Florida, I had a mission church in North Carolina, I actually had two. I would do one early and then one a little later. And when we opened our doors of this mission church north of Charlotte and Salisbury, I had this one lady come to church one day. She was, shall we say, a very lapsed Episcopalian. And she had heard about this church that used the old prayer book, and she she really felt she needed to do something in her life, and so she decided to come. Now, in her story, she was born and raised in, in the United States, and she had married a guy from India when she was abroad, who is a devout Hindu. And they now live together in Salisbury,' been married for many, many years. And she, because of him being a Hindu, just kind of pushed her Christianity aside, which is surprising how easy it is for Americans to do, but she did. And eventually her conscience got the better of her, so she started to come to church. He was actually a pretty nice guy about it. And he started to show up with her just to be nice to his wife. One day after the service, he wanted to talk to me for a few minutes. And he asked me this pointed question, what must I do to be saved? The message had clicked. And I told him how easy it was, faith is so simple. And we discussed it. And then his wife approached me. And said, my husband wants to be baptized, and he wants to make a public profession of acceptance of Jesus Christ. But you realize that when he does, his family in India will disown him like he is dead. His mother and dad are still living, but he'll have a mother and dad no longer. He has brothers and sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles. As far as they're concerned, he died in America. He will have to give up his family for the cause of Christ. That very next Sunday, we had the first baptism of that church. Had the font set up in the front so everybody can see. Normally, you do it from the back as the entry, but he wanted to make and give his testimony of how over the course of a couple of months in that church, coming with his wife, who had been the errant Episcopalian who finally decided to come back to the fold, she was the one, he was the one that received the greatest benefit. Our epistle today in First Peter says a story that the American Christians do not want to hear. Do not talk to me about fiery trials and persecutions and things not being good. I don't want to hear any of that. I want the happy Christianity with the light show that I can go see whenever I feel it's in my time that I can, I can make the time to go see it. He's saying, do not be surprised by the fiery trials that are going to come into your life. People will hate you, despise you. There are other parts of the scripture that says people that want to kill you will think they're doing the world a great service. American Christianity is dead. American Christianity is cheap, grace, and worthless. It's all about what's in it for me. Today's megachurches are nothing more than pornographic entertainment centers with light shows. And people are being, they're in a church a mile wide and a quarter inch deep in the depth of their faith. And that's why when the trials of life hit these people, they go into panic mode. They don't even go, they don't know what to do. And their church can't help them because they're so busy with a happy gospel we don't know how to deal with trial and tribulation. And as the pastor and leader of those churches go, so goes the church. If he fails as a leader, the church fails and shuts down. It's about the cause of Christ, not the person that's preaching. I get more and more Upset. The older I get, I promised when I was younger in my thirties I would never turn to that mean old man. <laughs> but I'm doing it, and it's not so much that I'm mean. It's not so much that I'm angry. Yeah, there's a righteous anger. It's I'm looking at the world walking off a cliff blindly. We let into our homes said this to my wife this morning. We let into our homes the most deprived, disgusting things off cable and satellite that come into our eyes, ears, and minds. Our kids are exposed to 10, 20, 30, 60 hours a week of this stuff between their devices, the TV set, and computers. And then they're too tired to go to church on Sunday. Oh, the angels have got too much on their plate. They're being filled with the world. They're being filled with the world. The Bible says, be not of this world, be separate from this world. What is it about the American Christian that can't understand that concept? We want to be all the worldly things we can get. We want to be accepted by the world. We're willing to forsake a church on a Sunday morning to do something worldly. It's not number one. If, if Christ isn't number one, he's nothing. If Christ is not number one in your life, he has no part of your life. Amen. This is the problem with the American church. We compartmentalize our lives in such a way <laughs> that... Well, we put church in that little box right there and we can't talk about that. We might offend somebody. There's a great hymn I remember as a child. Jesus, and it shall ever be a mortal man ashamed of thee. But how many people that claim the name of Christ are ashamed of Christ? How many people... How many people would give up their relationship for Jesus Christ, so they claim to have, for a promotion, a better job or opportunity? There are a lot of them that would. I can remember, and I saw this in my own family, my grandparents were very stoic Christians that lived the faith. And I have a sister. God love her, but she's kind of how do I put it? More into the world than than into Christ. Hadn't been in church in decades. She and her husband have lived a very good and financially rewarded life in what they've done career wise. That they are self-sustained. I've watched the daughters she had grow up to They've never been involved. They know nothing about the faith. Yet, in difference to my grandparents, my sister decided, because of my grandparents' insistence, that the children be baptized. Now, my grandparents were getting on in age. And so it was done at their house. We had a home baptismal service. And my heart knew then. That the day that they drive back to their home in Maryland, that's the end of it for the church. The next time my sister was in a church was 20, well, about 18 years later when I was ordained to the priesthood. Because we did that up in Maryland so my grandmother could be there. She was in her mid 90s. We moved it from Georgia to Maryland that shows how much church life because it's inconvenient. I need my time, my space. You know, what we don't understand, if you ever read some of the early church fathers, if you read about some of the early saints of God, you know what used to get them angry? You know what angered some of the early saints? Why am I not being persecuted and martyred? Am I not good enough, Lord, to catch the attention of those and be dragged into the street for my faith? That's a far cry from where we are today. There are places in this world, I know, I do a radio show that reaches to farther places around the world, and I get the emails There are places in the world that being a Christian will truly cost you. The only thing it costs you in America is your time. And we can't even give that anymore. Like I say, the American church has been deceived by the author of lies himself. That church is all about me, it's all about me. You know, when I preach here in this church, there's one thing, unless you've looked around the building, as I look out down the aisle, look at that picture in the back. Look at that picture in the back. Jesus on the cross. He gave it all for me. He loved me with a love. He loves you with a love. He wants to receive you as his own. I get so furious at the prosperity preachers that are out there. Just sow a seed in my ministry and I will bless you with a new house and a new Mercedes like I got. I am so sick of those that look at the world around them and try to follow the wave of the current of all the things going wrong in the world. They're the prophets of God, spelled P R O F I T S. Whatever happened to genuine faith? Whatever happened to saved by grace, by faith? Whatever happened to knowing that God can take me through the bad times instead of trying to avoid the bad times? Where did it all go? It's gone. I'm going to close with this thought. I Has anybody ever heard of what's called the Babylon Bee, if you've ever, online? Anybody ever heard of that one? Babylon Bee? It's, it's, a sat, it's a Christian satire site. I love it. It is one of the funniest, well-written, and poignant little sites I've ever seen. The Babylon Bee. It's a Liberty University graduate that put this thing together. And... This gal can follow the trends in society, the church, and everything else, and she has some of the greatest articles, and they're funny. There was one that was extremely funny, but unfortunately 100% true. It says mainline denominations now are considered a safe space from the gospel. Like Lutherans, Methodists, Episcopalians, Presbyterians. Safe place from the gospel. You don't have to worry about the gospel anymore. It's a safe place. You're not going to be having somebody preach about sin. You're not going to hear about anything bad. So they are now a safe place from the gospel. And I thought about that. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And they wonder why they continue on this rapid decline. Presbyterians, once 5 million, down down to 2 million. Lutherans, down about a million over the last 20 years. Episcopalians about half in the last 25 because they've cheapened the message of God, the fire and the power of God and the Holy Spirit is gone. The book of Revelation says the lampstand may be taken. There are a lot of missing lampstands in America today. And they've replaced it with a light show. They can never have the Shekinah glory of God. In the years that I have in my life, there's a message to get out to the world. I can't reach all of it. I can't reach 10% of it. I can't even reach 1% of it. But whatever slice that God puts in front of me, I will work to reach. And that becomes job one. Without fail. To me... When I think of that hymn, Ashamed of Jesus Shall It Never Be, A Mortal Man Ashamed of Thee. I never want to apologize for my Christ. I never want to say, Well, you know, that's just the church thing that I'm supposed to do, but, you know, it's not really. What does the Bible say? If you deny me before others, I shall deny you before my Father. We forget that aspect of Scripture. But it is so important that we, the remnant of the church, can be, as St. Paul said, I joy in my sufferings. John said, I joy in my sufferings. Peter, I joy in my sufferings. They all did. And God carried them through. My middle name is Stephen, spelled like the first martyr of the church. I was actually born Robert Lee Erickson, but when I was adopted, the Robert stayed and the middle name changed. All of us had a biblical name added somewhere, and mine was Stephen. And, you know, I kept thinking, that's kind of a weird choice. You know, you're the like guy that just got started as a deacon and he gets killed. <laughs> Not a great ending. Why can't he be like Paul or, or John or, you know, name one of them, Barnabas, some great person that did a lot. Oh, this guy gets cut off of the knees before he gets started. But the greatest thing about Stephen, a man full of grace and full of the Holy Spirit, would not back down when given a chance. He could have saved himself like all the Christians. All the apostles that were martyred for the faith could have easily escaped death if they just said, no, nope, Christ didn't rise from the dead. That's all I had to say. They could have been walking the face of the earth till they were old men. But they didn't. But as Stephen is giving up his life on this earth, He's getting that wonderful gift the scripture says he's already seeing into the windows of heaven and he's full of joy and proclaiming forgive them don't hold do not hold this sin against them as he was ushered into the presence of an almighty God. We live in a truly dangerous world and it's time that the church recognize it's a dangerous world. It's time that we recognize that there are more important things in life than, than something on HBO, Cinemax, Netflix. It's funny how many people will make an hour available to catch a TV show that find it so inconvenient to find their way to a church. I'm as guilty as anybody in my younger years. I did it for a while, too. God got a hold of me one day, and I remember the day. I started out this pathway in my life. As a child, I was given all the advantages of a parochial school all the way through the eighth grade. lived in a very small community in upstate New York. We were very active in our church in Long Island, extremely active in our church, big church. I went to church two or three times on a Sunday because I was in the choir. When I first moved to Georgia, I was still going to church. And somewhere along the way in my radio career, I was too tired one Sunday. And it was easy to sleep in. And before you know it, I found over the next, oh, I don't know, seven or eight years, I had disjointed myself conveniently from the church. It wasn't something that I just did one day. I just allowed the things of the world to take dominance in my life. And one day, maybe, let's see, five, six, seven years into this, seven years into this, I woke up one night, couldn't sleep. May have been a Friday night, could have been a Saturday morning, I can't remember. But I felt this awful burden on my heart. I felt like God had just put his hand on my shoulder and was pushing down hard, shaking me. Wake up, listen to what I have to say. if anybody's ever heard my story I was placed for adoption when I was one year of age and I'm not sure if I've ever shared this or not with this congregation some of you never heard this but I'm going to make it very brief I was conceived in California born in Brooklyn that's a long way and my mother tried to keep me for a while, but you know the pressures in 1954, you just don't do that. And she had no way of doing it. Her father, my grandfather, was not thrilled about this idea, so there was always a problem and an angst. And when she first came back to Brooklyn before I was born, nobody cared about her because of that's just the way the things were in that day. And I met my biological mother, by the way, spent time with her back in the late 80s when I found her. And she related this story to me. She said, I was sitting in front of the house one day, feeling like it's the end of the world. What am I going to do? Nobody wants to associate with me. I have no friends. My father's angry. Nobody cares about me. And she said, I just didn't know what to do about you. And all of a sudden, this young lady appeared and sat down next to her right there in front of their brownstone house on the steps and introduced herself. And my mother says, it was the strangest countenance about this person I've ever seen. She was young, very pretty, and why is she spending time with me? For the next four months, that gal moved into the house and took care of my mother, Was made sure that she got to the hospital so I could be delivered in birth. Strangely, the grandfather had no trouble with her being there. And she said, after you were born, she pressured me to make sure you were baptized as soon as possible. She would not let that go. And so I went down to the Salem Danish Evangelical Lutheran Church around the corner, and we went in to talk to the guy, who, by the way, I ended up talking to in 1988 in the process of trying to locate her, who said, I remember your baptism. We had a strange rule. We would never do an outside baptism. You're the only one I ever did. Something just said, I have to do it. When this person came in with your mother, I knew I had to, and I did, did it privately, privately the very next Sunday after church. Never forget that as long as I live. The day I was baptized, Lee disappeared off the face of the earth, never to be seen again. That was her name. And that was my middle name, Robert Lee Erickson. Because of this person, I really believe that where I ended up was so different than where I should have been. The intervention of God's people in somebody's life can make a difference. And in spite of my stubborn ways in my younger years, God got a hold of me and jerked me back. And planted me out into a Bible college and then from a Bible college into the ministry. And in these last few years, I've been doing a lot less ministry than I should be doing. I'm busy trying to make ends meet, so things have got to change. It's welling up inside of me. I have to. I have to answer that calling. Jesus, I am not ashamed of you, because you were never ashamed of me. You received me unto your own as your son you receive all of us as your sons and daughters heavenly father may we learn the things that are important may we put aside the things we deem urgent and rest our peace in you for this we ask in your name in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen Now, even though that message is five years old, I think that what the Lord laid on my heart then is very applicable to today. There are many churches that have turned apostate. They have walked away from the gospel. They preach another gospel. They preach heresy. It's time if you're in one of those kind of churches and you're trying to hang in there to save it, it's time to just get out. You're not going to save it. That's what I try to share with you from Francis Schaeffer. When the church denomination at the top refuses to abide by Scripture, they're never going to listen to you. If they're not listening to God, they're not going to listen to you. I feel for my friends in the United Methodist Church. They're, you're, you're in a time of division. Many other churches are in a time of needed Division. And those of us that are true to the gospel of Jesus Christ are going to have to band together as a minority group of people that are no longer respected in the Western world. You're not getting your respect back. It's gone. And it'll keep fading away. You're never going to fix it at the election ballot box either. 2022 is not going to fix it. Neither did 1972, 50 years ago. Now, if you believe in our ministry, would you help us stay on the air? Consider making a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. Mailing address is 5753. 5753 Highway 85 North. 5753 Highway 85 North. Number 3248. That's number 3248. The city is Crestview. One word. Crestview, Florida. And the zip code is 32536. That's 32536. And until next week, when we gather again, it's my prayer that God sustain you and that God richly bless you. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com.